If you have your Bible this morning, I would like for you to turn with me to the book of Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5 as we continue to think about our freedom that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. The freedom that we have through the Lord Jesus Christ. And how that is to be lived out in everyday life is one of the most important things that you and I need to learn as disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're answering in this particular section of Scripture one of the fundamental questions that we all must ask and have a solid biblical answer to. Namely, how do you live the Christian life? How do you live it? From day to day, moment by moment, how is it that we live out the Christian life? How is it that we live in a way that is pleasing to God? How is it that we make decisions that please the Lord? And that's the questions that we're grappling with in this particular text. Galatians chapter 5, and we're going to begin reading in verse 16. We'll read down to verse 18, and then we'll pray together. So Galatians 5, if you look at Galatians 5, 1, he says, For freedom, Christ has set us free. For freedom, Christ has set us free. And we're to stand firm and not submit again to a yoke of slavery. He gives us a warning, however, in verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, this is our text, but I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For those who are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity in your holy word. We thank you for this gift of the book. Thank you for these writings that are inspired, breathed out by you through human authors. So that we hold and read and Study your very word. The revelation of the God of creation in words. Thank you for them. Bless them now in our hearts, in our minds. That we may understand them and rightly and appropriately apply them to our lives. For your glory. For our good. For the good of future generations we pray in faith. In Jesus' name, and amen. We're going to be talking this morning, as you can see, about walking by the Spirit through the Word and prayer. This is not a mistake on my part. (laughs) I know that we read and preached this very text last week. That wasn't a mistake. I said something to you last week at the end of the sermon that I could say, I guess, on most of them, that I'm not finished I said, I'm not finished, but I guess I am finished. For the sake of time, we kind of stopped 
And there was another thing that I said last week as well, namely that we would we would talk a little bit more and learn a little bit more about what it means to walk by the Spirit. To walk by the Spirit. He says emphatically for us, very clearly, the imperative, the command in verse 16, walk by the Spirit. So the question becomes, how do you do that? What does that entail? And the reason, beloved, that this is so important is because there's a lot of people that would answer that question very differently from the way that we are going to answer it and see it in Scripture today. A lot of people, and believe you me, I am one of those people that want and desire a vibrant, real relationship with God. A lot of people today, it's all about the experience of God, right? It's all about, I want to have a real relationship with God that's real, that I feel. I want that too. And I want that for you. But we have to be careful how we answer the question, how does that happen? What does that look like? How do you live the Christian life? How do you live in such a way that you don't need an external law that you look to, a a, a plaque or a book or a sheet of paper that you look to that tells you what's right and wrong, and then you try to conform your behavior to the list out of fear that you will be punished if you don't, but how do you live the Christian life empowered, enabled by the indwelling Holy Spirit that changes you from the inside out so that you have new desires, new affections, new passions that are godly and Godward? That's how. But how does that look? What does that look like? What do we need to do? Some people would answer that question by saying, well, we need to then just close the Bible and go out and, and get alone and then just just clear our minds so that we can hear from God. My friends, listen to me very carefully. That is not the biblical way to hear from God. If you want to hear from God tomorrow, this evening, right now, you must open God's Word. That's the way you hear from God. And so the way we answer this question is very important because it also has practical implications and effects in your daily life. How do you go about living the Christian life? Well, if, if, if that first scenario was true, then I would get up in the morning and I would clear my mind and I would ask God to speak to me. And whatever came to my mind, I would take that to be what God had to say to me that day. And I would go about the day living according to whatever came to my mind when I cleared it and asked God to speak to me, right? That's the logical, linear way that that philosophy would be lived out. However, if What I said there, the second way, and I think, and we'll make the case this morning, the biblical way to live the Christian life is not to get up in the morning and clear my mind and ask God to speak to me in in my heart or in my mind. But the way to hear from God is to get up in the morning and open his word. And then I'm going to go through my day and being informed by the revelation of God in his word understood in me, in my heart and mind, by the illuminating power of the Holy Spirit of God, 
that gives me understanding of what I'm looking at in Scripture and then appropriate power to apply it in my life and walk by the Spirit. Two different ways of living and one is devilish and one is biblical. So my candidating, I thought about this when I, when I was studying this, this text, my candidating sermon on March the 7th, 2010 here at this church, this is what the title was, the long title. Listen to, this is the title of it. The power and essentiality of the word of God and the vital necessity of prayer. That's over seven years ago. The thing that I wanted to bring was nothing new, but the fundamental Christian life is wrapped up in a life that is saturated and dominated by the word of God and prayer. And as stumbling and fumbling as I have done it, that has been my focus and my aim for this church from day one. It is essential and critical that we have and hold and are consistently in the Word of God. And it is vitally necessary that we have vibrant prayer lives in order to see health, in order to see God rightly worshipped, in order to see God glorified and the church built up and nourished and strengthened by God himself as he works through the biblical means that he has given us. So I have two statements that I want to make to help us to understand this subject. This is a little bit of a Bible study. Last week we we unpacked this text thinking about walking by the power of the Holy Spirit and how that, that gives us confidence that we will not gratify or we will not give into and live out the desires of the flesh, which are contradictory to the desires of the Spirit who indwells the true believer. And we learned about that. But we didn't answer that fundamental question of what does it look like and how do we, how do we go about it? Be walking in the power of the Spirit. And that's what I want to do with these two statements and think about them with our time. So, if you're a note taker, I would write these down. There's nothing profound that you can't remember, but my friends, I cannot overemphasize this word for you today. I cannot. And I will not be able to give you something better later on or more later on that will that will help you to live a vibrant, flourishing, God-glorifying, Christ-exalting, gospel-preaching, Holy Spirit-displaying life than by these two statements. Number one, walking by the power of the Spirit. That's what we're talking about. Walking by the power of the Spirit by intentionally and prayerfully Seeking to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I'll say it again. Now the first part you'll have these two statements start the same way. Walking by the power of the Spirit. By intentionally and prayerfully seeking to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's statement number one. 
I want to unpack that statement biblically for you for just a few moments. I say prayerfully because of Luke chapter 11 and verse 13 and other Bible texts where Jesus in Luke eleven thirteen is talking there and he says this, If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? If you want to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit and have confidence to overcome the desires of the flesh, which will always be with you until Christ comes and you have a glorified, resurrected body, until that time you have a battle, you have a struggle, you have a warfare that we see in Galatians 5.17. This this spirit in you, the spirit of God has desires, the flesh has desires, and they're opposites. And you have the struggle. It is a struggle. It is a battle. We talked about last week. If you want to have victory there, you have to intentionally and prayerfully seek to be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is something that we must seek and ask for in prayer. Do you daily pray that God will fill you with His Spirit? You see, when you are born again, when you are saved, you receive the indwelling person of God, the Holy Spirit, and He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will always be there. But the instruction of Scripture, listen very carefully, the imperative of from our God through the apostles is that we must seek prayerfully and intentionally to be filled with the Spirit. It's not the same just to receive the indwelling person of God, the Holy Spirit. It is a different thing that happens to you on a day-by-day and moment-by-moment basis whereby you are led and directed by God, the Holy Spirit, as you intentionally and prayerfully seek to be filled with the Holy Spirit. In the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, you want to remember this one, Ephesians 5 And we're going to look at this text at some length. But Ephesians 5.18 is an imperative statement. It is a command that you are. You remember last week that we talked about that balance between surrender and work. There's a balance in the Christian life. And a lot of the reason that we don't see healthy, vibrant, God-honoring and godly Christian lives is because we ignore the means of grace that God has given for us to be vibrant, flourishing Christians that live and walk by the power of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5.18 is one of these texts that tells us that we need to prayerfully seek to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He says this, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. And everybody knows what it's like to be drunk with wine. Well, some of you may not know experientially, but you know, you've, you, you, you know, you've been around people who maybe have, or you've watched it on a television show or something, a movie, but most people have experienced it in, in our culture today. What it is to be 
drunk with alcohol, to be intoxicated, is to have an, an, an influence that has a controlling effect. <laughs> so, you may not do certain things sober that you will do if you are drunk. It has a controlling effect. It has this kind of pervasive impact where you are led, as it were. You are controlled. You are directed by the influence of a pervasive substance that goes into your body. Well, Paul says in Ephesians 5.18, don't do that. Don't let alcohol be your instructor and guide and influencer, but be what? Filled with the Spirit. It's an imperative. It's something for you to intentionally and prayerfully seek. It's better understood with the phrase, be being filled. You have the indwelling Spirit of God if you are born again, but He does not have, does He have dominance in your life? That's the question. Is he, is he the dominant influencer right now? Or is there some other influence of the flesh, which is driven by the philosophies of the world and empowered by Satan and demon spirits? Is that the influencer of your days or is it the Holy Spirit? Well, you and I cannot put the monkey on God's back when he says in an imperative way, commanding way, be being filled with the Spirit. How much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? I say intentionally because of that balance that we must have of surrender and work. These are commands. And if you're going to fulfill the imperative statement of be being filled with the Holy Spirit of God, then you're going to have to be intentional about seeking it prayerfully and actively in your life. And I will too, if, we're, if it's going to happen. You remember me talking last week about the zap? We want God to just zap us with the power and we never have to ask for it. We never have to seek or do anything. It's just always there. But that's not the way that God has told us that this thing is going to happen. And it's like James said, a lot of, a lot of you have not because you ask not. You're just simply not asking for it. And that's the reason you don't have it. We need to be intentional. We need to understand the imperative statements. Grow out of the indicative statements. We are in Christ. We are born again. Therefore, live out the Christian life in the power of the Spirit. Indicative, reality, imperative. Go and live out what God has worked in. That balance must be maintained in your life on a daily basis. Or listen, you're going to fall into sin. Every time we're instructed over and over and over and over again in Scripture to be intentional about being filled with the Holy Spirit. We are to work. We are to strive. We are to actively seek God in prayer to be filled and directed by God, the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5.16 is another text, which is our text here that we're studying That is an imperative command. But I say, walk by the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Be led, verse 18, by the Spirit. Directed, influenced by God the Holy Spirit. And that's why the title of the message last week was a supernatural, Spirit-enabled life. It's a supernatural life. 
The Christian life is a supernatural life. And the only alternative is to try to live it legalistically, which is a very hard and difficult and gloomy thing to do. But many people, I'm afraid, are doing it that way. Let me give you a little bit more Bible that that will enforce this. In the book of Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. We were looking at this text a few weeks back at the first part of it when we were thinking about not using our freedom as an occasion to the flesh, an opportunity to give in to our own desires that are against the desires of the Spirit. We don't have, we, we shouldn't use Christian freedom as an excuse for that. But we need to understand really who we are in Christ and whose we are in Christ. And when we realize who we are and whose we are and what has happened at the cross when Jesus died, we died with him and sin doesn't have to dominate us. We don't have to live under the power of sin. We can live victorious in our Christian lives. Not perfect, but we can gain and live in a flourishing way. Romans chapter 6 beginning in verse 12. Well, let's look at verse 11. He says, so you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. So what he says in verse 9, that Christ died and raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you must also consider that word, consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. And then verse 12, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments of righteousness for sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under the law but under grace. Did you catch all that? All of those are activity words and phrases. Let not sin reign in your mortal bodies. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God. You have to be intentionally, actively, prayerfully seeking to be filled with the Holy Spirit through prayer. Look, if you will, in the book of Ephesians chapter 5 again. Ephesians chapter 5. I want you to have this so much, my friends. I really do. Ephesians 5. This whole passage here is so much like Colossians 3 and Galatians 5, you can't help but see the correlation, the the parallel ideas and concepts that Paul writes about when he writes to the church at Ephesus, when he writes to the church at Colossia, when he writes to the church at uh, the churches of Galatia. Now, I'm going to read a long passage here, and I'm going to do a little comparison, okay? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to compare Ephesians chapter 5... Verses 15 to 21. So you might want to write that down. We're going to compare Ephesians 5, 15 to 21 with Colossians chapter 3. And I'll tell you when we get over there. So, but I want to read this whole thing starting up at verse 1 of Ephesians 5. And when we get down to verse 15, you'll know that we're there. But I want you to feel the flow of how he is teaching. 
He says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us. A fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity and covetousness must not even be named among you. As is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness or foolish talk or crude joking which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the world. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Now here, listen. Look carefully then. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. That's what we're talking about this morning. How can we walk not as unwise, but wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. B, being filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to one another from your heart. Now turn over to the book of Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Now the comparison that we are going to look at is 3, 15 to 17. But we're going to read more than that. 3, 15 to 17. Now listen, listen to how similar this section is to the one we just read from Ephesians. If then, I'm reading from verse 1, if then you have been raised with Christ, there's an indicative, if you are, if you are raised with Christ, seek, see how it works? (laughs) If you're raised with Christ, you have a command to seek him. Seek Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above. Not on things that are on the earth. My friends, if you don't intentionally do that, then you're going to be pervasively influenced by the world. Even if you are a Christian. I'm not done. I just wanted to say that. 
For you have died. It's an indicative statement. You have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore. See how that works? (laughs) You are raised with Christ. You are in Christ. Put to death, therefore. What is earthly in you? Huh, sounds very familiar. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another. Seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. And have put on the new self. Which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free. But Christ is all and in all. Put on then. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Here we go. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ. Dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Some of you know I've made this comparison before. Did you catch it? In Ephesians chapter 5, he right before the singing of psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, he says, be being filled with the Spirit. And right before the psalms and hymns and spiritual songs in, in Colossians, same vein of thought, instead of saying, be being filled with the Spirit, what does he say? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. So here's my conclusion. Statement number two. Statement number two. Walking by the power of the Spirit. Remember the first one was walking by the power of the Spirit through intentionally and prayerfully seeking to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Second statement, walking by the power of the Spirit. Same statement, walking by the power of the Spirit through a steady intake of Scripture. Walking by the power of the Holy Spirit through a steady intake of Scripture. I get that by comparing the two statements. In Ephesians, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. In Colossians, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Which I take to be a parallel statement with being filled with the Holy Spirit. See what I'm doing? In in the one statement, he says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Understanding what the will of the Lord is. Have the influence of God, the Holy Spirit. And the result will be singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Same vein of thought to the Colossian church. And, and But instead of saying, be filled with the Spirit, he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. So the way that we walk by the Spirit is through a steady intake of Scripture. It's only, beloved, through the Scripture that we can know the mind of the Spirit of God. So you take our scenario in the opening uh, introduction to the sermon. The scenario where we close the Bible and go and ask God to talk is anti-biblical. 
Because the very way in Scripture that we are instructed to seek, to be, to have the influence and the power of the Spirit to overcome sin and the flesh and the world and Satan and demon spirits is in direct connectivity to the Word of God. The Scriptures. How do you know what spirit you are following? If I go over here in the woods or at home, going by myself, and I sit down, and I say, okay, God, I want to clear my mind of everything. And the first thing that comes to my mind, I want you to speak to me. How do I know what spirit I'm going to hear? The only objective answer to that question, the only way you know the spirit that you are dealing with, is the Word of God. Without it, you are left to your subjective experience. Do you want that to be the determining factor for the way you make decisions in your life? I hope not. Your subjective, fallible way of uh, interpreting and looking at the world? Or do you want objective truth that you know is from God? And the only way that you can know the spirit that you're interacting with is through the Holy Word. The scripture, it is through the scripture that we understand the mind and the heart of God. It is through the scripture that we understand the character of God. It is through the scripture that we understand the nature of God. It is through the scripture that we understand the plans of God and the purposes of God and the expectations of God. The only way that we know who God is and what He is like is His Word. Because it is in His Word that He has revealed Himself. Satan and demon spirits disguise themselves as angels of light and preachers of righteousness. My friends, you want something objective to help you. And not listen to demons and Satan who comes disguised as God himself. I remember there was a guy that was on uh, the Oprah Winfrey show one time and said that that uh, Jesus came and spoke to him. And in essence told him to do away with this archaic focus on the cross. That he had and expected his church to move beyond that. Said he was Jesus. Jesus told us that there would be those who would come and claim to be the Christ. He said that there would be people that would come and claim to be Him. And He told His disciples, don't be deceived. And the only way that we have to fight and to know and to understand who God really is, what He is really like, and what He truly expects, is to meet Him in His Word. John chapter 4 and verses 23 and 24. You don't have to turn if you don't want. John 4, 23 and 24. Jesus is talking to the Samaritan woman at the well and he says this. The hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. There are people today that are preaching Jesus Christ as the way to salvation, but the way they define this Jesus is not the Jesus of the Bible. It gets confusing, doesn't it? And how do you know 
the real Jesus. You have to know him clearly and understand him from the word. The written word that testifies of the living word. John chapter 6 and verse 63. John 6 and verse 63. Jesus is talking again to his disciples and others and says, It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. Now listen. I made the comparison between Ephesians and Colossians. Is that a biblical concept? I believe it is from the, from that comparison. I want you to see it here in Jesus' words, which I think is clearer. I want you to see that Jesus is going to put side by side and on top of each other the concept of the Spirit and the concept of the Word. Listen to what he says. This is John 6, 63. It is a Spirit... That's who we're dealing with. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Words. You want to be in the presence of the spirit. You want to be filled with the spirit, empowered by the spirit to live the Christian life. Open the Bible and interact with the words. Second Timothy chapter three and verse 16 and 17 All scripture, all of it, Genesis to Revelation, all scripture is breathed out by God. That's where we get the word inspiration. God breathed all of it. Genesis to Revelation, this is God's word. All scripture, Paul says, 2 Timothy 3.16, is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching. For reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. The way to live the Christian life is by being saturated, directed, and instructed by the word, by the power of the Holy Spirit. We walk by the power of the Spirit through a steady intake of Scripture, Psalm 1. The way to live the Christian life. Listen to the way he writes. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. Nor stands in the way of sinners. Nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. The word of God. And on his law he meditates day and night. Day and night. How do you not become consumed with the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners and sit in the seat of the scoffers by meditating day and night, day and night on the word of God? He is like a tree planted by the streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so. But are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand at the judgment. Nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous. But the way of the wicked will perish. Psalm 119 asks this question and answers it. Listen. Psalm 119 beginning in verse 9. He says, how can a young man keep his way pure? How can a young man keep his way pure? It's the same question that we're asking. How can we walk in a way that's pleasing to God, empowered by the Holy Spirit? Listen to how he answers it. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. 
I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I would delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Intention, intentionality, prayerful seeking to be filled with the Holy Spirit by asking for it. And and stay saturated, influenced, directed, connected to God's holy, inspired, inerrant, infallible word. That's the way. That's the way. How do we do this in closing? How do we have the steady intake of scripture? Let me suggest to you two ways, two scenarios here with five ways to do it. Now, the two ways are corporately and privately. How how do you have a steady intake of scripture according to scripture in the ways that you should have the steady intake? Number one, corporately. Number two, privately. Corporately and privately. God has given the church wherein we uh, we read the word, we pray the word, we sing the word, we preach the word, and we see the word. God's given us a corporate local church where we read the word, sing the word, pray the word, preach the word, and see the word in the Lord's Supper and baptism. And we should take hold of those opportunities that we have together as a church to fulfill biblical scripture and have the steady intake of the word of God corporately, congregationally, the way he designed it. It's a means of grace for you to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit and also privately. Privately, five things as well. Read the word every day. Read the word. There needs to be a way that you can get as much of it as you can In a short span of time. So the concept of reading the word is, is, is to read enough so that you can get it all. And repetitiously over the rest of your life, you stay influenced and, 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 and directed and instructed by God's word by reading it every day in such a way that you get Genesis to Revelation. I wonder if you would be embarrassed if I would say to you to raise your hand if you have read the entire Bible, every word in the book from Genesis to Revelation. I wonder how many would be embarrassed if I would ask you to do that. There's a lot of people in Christian churches all over this country and this world that have never read through the Bible. Never. Not one time. And I'm suggesting to you that your day needs to be a day every day like Psalm 1 where you are in the Word in such a way, whether it be a year, year and a half, two years, it needs to be. I try to read through it in a year's time, the whole Bible, Genesis to Revelation. But that's not the only way to do it. You could read through the Bible more than I do. The point is that's one way to have this steady intake, reading it. Secondly, study it. Study the Word. It's one thing to read it. It's another thing to understand it, right? (laughs) And that takes hard work as well. You can't be passive in the process of of learning uh, uh, and growing in your theological development. That comes by reading and studying the Word of God. Asking the questions, what does this Word mean? What does He mean by saying this? Or how do I live this out if that's what I'm supposed to do? Asking questions and studying the Word of God both both corporately and privately. Thirdly, memorize the word. 
When you memorize the Word of God, you're meditating on it, which is the fourth thing. It's to meditate on the Word of God. One of the ways to meditate on the Word, it's not the only way to meditate on it, but one of the ways to meditate on the Word is to memorize a portion of Scripture. And while you're trying to remember and working through that memory process of memorizing that text, you're meditating on God's Word. And fifth, share the Word. Share it. There's something about giving away the Word of God that helps it to, helps it to really stick with you. <laughs> There's something about having a ministry within the context of the local church where you're sharing how you're reading the Word and studying the Word corporately and privately. You're investing in each other and people out in the world to tell them about the truth of Jesus Christ. And in giving it away to other people, it has a way of sticking with you. <laughs> this, is, this is it. This is Christian life. If you want to have the power of the Spirit in your life, you will have the power to walk and live and make decisions. You will have the power of God, the Holy Spirit, when you intentionally and prayerfully seek it in connection to a steady intake of God's Word. If you neglect that, then my dear friend, there is just no way possible that you can have and walk and live by the power of the Spirit of God. Because that's the way it comes. It's the way He comes. It's the way He designed it to work. Because if you're going to be influenced and you are influenced every day by something, every moment you're under the influence of the world, Every moment you're exposed to the influence of Satan and demon spirits. Every moment you're under the influence of the nature of sin. The flesh. And the only way to battle that is with prayer and God's holy word. You can't read it too much. You can't meditate on it too much. You can't study it too much. You can't listen to it taught too much. You can't pray too much. Those things are like breathing. Hold your breath. See how long you can hold it. Can you hold your breath for three minutes? Five minutes? The Word of God and prayer are like air. It's like air. You, you can't have life. Spiritual, powerful, flourishing life in Christ with joy and peace and victory without it. You can't. So I encourage you. I encourage you. There it is. For you, for me, for each other. Prayer and the word. Prayer and the word.